0: today. Uh, Anyone eating some chocolate yet? I know there's some sugar going on down here. Um, (laughs) You know, I realised the other day that many of you wouldn't have seen the church at night time and I thought we should show you a picture of our our beautiful little nativity out the front and I love setting up lights. I love setting up Christmas lights. I remember one year I set up uh, five lots of Christmas tree lights. I think that's my record. Um, I just love setting up Christmas decorations and, and celebrating Christmas. To be honest, I actually didn't do that this year. Thank you, Shay. But um, it's so good to celebrate Christmas. There's another thing I love to do at Christmas time, and that's eat fruit mince pies. Does anyone else like fruit mince pies? Okay, party at our place. Let's go. But for all the fun that we have at Christmas time, it's so, so easy to miss what Christmas is about. It's so easy to miss the point of Christmas time. Christmas should bring hope, Christmas should bring life, but so often it just means shopping and presents and food and more food and more shopping and more presents and maybe a nativity scene if you're lucky. I wonder for Mary and Joseph on that very first Christmas, if they might have been just a little bit over it as well. you got Mary and Joseph, Mary's pregnant, she's nine months pregnant, talk to someone who's nine months pregnant. Um... Like my wife maybe and, and you find out they get tired there's, there's the exhausting part about being pregnant and they've traveled for, all the way to bethlehem and they get to bethlehem and there's nowhere to stay let's have a read what it says in luke chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7 it says and while they were there in bethlehem the time came for her baby to be born she gave birth to her firstborn son she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger." because there was no lodging available for them. Some translations say there was no room in the inn. But however you read it, they laid him in a manger. Up until that point, you think, okay, they've travelled a long way, it's just a normal baby being born, but then it's laid in a manger. in maybe some, some hay wrapped in strips of cloth, because there was no room for them. There was no room for Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus. And however you, however you interpret that, whether you think it was an inn that they couldn't get any room at the motel, it certainly wasn't the Sheraton, um, or whether you interpret it as what I think is more likely that when they went to Bethlehem, to, to Joseph's hometown, that when they went to the family home, all the family had come back, all the family was there, there was people everywhere, you know what it's like at Christmas time when all the in-laws are there, Uncle Frank and Uncle Joe and all those people... And there was no room for them. And I just wonder if maybe, you see Mary and Joseph were having a baby and for Mary and Joseph to be having a baby when they weren't yet married was a very looked down on thing at that time. There was, there was significant consequences in that time for people having a baby outside of marriage. And I just wonder if maybe they got to the home and Uncle Frank was supposed to let them go in his room but they get there and Uncle Frank's like, there's no way I'm letting that couple go into our room. They didn't even get married before they had that baby. And I just wonder if there might have been some tension when they arrived. Or maybe you think it's the inn, they, they've gone to the inn. And you think, how could they not recognise Mary and Joseph? We all know Mary and Joseph, Mary wears blue, they have little havelos around their head. It's like, why would they not have made room for Mary and Joseph? Everyone knows what they look like. Not... <laughs> There was no room for them they were they were poor people he was he was a carpenter they probably didn't have a lot of money who knows maybe they couldn't even afford a place to stay i think it's more likely that they were going to the family home and they just couldn't get a bed there but however you look at the christmas story about however you interpret what the bible tells us there was no room for them and i think chances are they were looked down on by those around them to some degree I wonder if maybe we've felt a bit like Mary and Joseph may have felt 2,000 years ago. That we've felt not good enough. That we've felt like people are looking down upon us at times. Maybe the things that people think we should do that we just haven't measured up to. Maybe we sort of like, yep, there's no halo here. And we just feel like, why would people make room for me? Maybe you feel like people don't like you. So why would God care for me? But the the joy of Christmas is that he does. The joy of Christmas is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus came for us. I want us to look at a verse in Isaiah, a a book written by a guy, a prophet, 700 years before Jesus came to earth. And this is what he wrote in verse, uh, verse 14 of chapter 7. He says, All right then, The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is written 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And now the amazing thing is that 700 years before Jesus... uh, Jesus was born, this was said. There's so many other things said that we could look at about who this baby that was going to come and save the world was going to be like, what he was going to do. And the amazing thing is that we read in Matthew, as we heard earlier in chapter 1, he quotes this passage and says, Look, this is what was spoken about him. And we know what Jesus did. He's done all the things that that the prophets had spoken the Messiah would do. And he died on a cross for our sin. And he rose again to prove to the world that he is greater than sin, he is greater than death, and that anyone who comes to him can be saved. Matthew's saying, this is amazing. Don't miss what's happened here. Jesus, God with us, has come. The joy of Christmas is that God has come to be with us. Jesus came to be with us. God with us. That we have a God who cares for us. We have a God who understands our humanity. He knows what it is to be human, to have pain and sorrow, to weep and to mourn. We have a Saviour who understands us, who knows us, who cares about us. And His name is Jesus. And Jesus' name, as we read earlier, also means the Lord saves. What a surprise. What a great name for Jesus. Jesus, God with us. He came and told us that, yes, we've all sinned. Yes, we've all done our own thing. We, we all know what it's like to feel guilty. You you watch kids as they grow up and they do something wrong and they get told off or they maybe they haven't even been told off and they, there's a guilt that we all have when we sin. We know what it is to sin. It's, it's part of our human nature how God has made us, to know what sin is. And Jesus said, yes, you've all sinned. Yes, you've done things that... Sadden God's heart. You are sick with sin, every one of you, Jesus said. But Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to heal the sick physically. He came to heal the sick spiritually, most of all. Most importantly of all, He came to heal us of sin. Have a listen to these words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Maybe you need to read that to yourself right now. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus' promise to us. Have a listen to this one in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. At this time, children were sort of like the the lesser people in the world. But there is no lesser people in God's kingdom. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Let anyone, doesn't matter how insignificant the world might say they are, how insignificant you feel, he says, let them come to me. Because God's love is for every one of us. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And it's not just because your mouth's a bit dry, it's because you're just thirsty for life. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's God's plan for every one of us, for every person He's created, is that we would come to Him, that we would be filled with His life, and that we might become a fountain of life to others, that God would use you to share his life, his love, the hope that he came to bring with people around you, that you might be a fountain of life. Look at all your little fountains out there. What a wet, messy world we're going to have. <laughs> Christmas should be a declaration that God loves us and wants to do life with us. Christmas isn't about presents. It's not about Santa. It's not about just the spirit of giving. It's about God coming to be with us, to give us life, to forgive us, to give us new life, and that we might be able to tell others about the hope that we have. We're going to have communion this morning because Jesus didn't just come to to be a baby. Jesus didn't just come and tell us how to be good people. He came and gave himself as a sacrifice for sin. The Bible says... The wages of sin, the, the, the deserved payment for sin is death. But the free gift of God is free. Now I break it up too much, I get lose the flow. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I just want to ask if the stewards would come and hand out communion this morning. If you're a visitor this morning and you would like to join us, please feel free. If you're a visitor and you feel uncomfortable to do that, feel free to let it go past as well, that's fine. Whatever you feel comfortable to do this morning. But this morning as we come together and celebrate Jesus came, we're celebrating that He came to give His life for us. We have the biscuit, which represents His body that was broken upon the cross. We have the cup of grape juice to remind us of His blood, the suffering He went through for you and I because He loves us, because He loves you. And just as the communion stewards are handing that out, I want to read to you just one last passage from Romans chapter 8. This is what Paul says. He says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? In comparison, who can stand against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He's sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. He didn't stay a baby. He died and he rose again. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or Christmas isn't going as expected? I mean, or we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. no. As the Scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about Christmas lunch or tomorrow, Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the joy of Christmas. This is what Christmas is about God is for us. He is for us. Jesus came for us. He died upon the cross for our sin. He gave his life willingly for you because he loves you. He loves us. That is what Christmas is about. Let's not lose the joy of Christmas tomorrow. Let's not lose the joy of Jesus next week. Jesus is the reason for Christmas And we can have hope for eternity. We can know that the God who created all things knows us, he loves us, he accepts us back, he welcomes us home. We're never too far gone for God. And even when we keep tripping up and fumbling and falling time and time again, we can look back at what Jesus did on the cross and we can say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that even though I'm a sinner, that you made me a saint, that you washed me clean, that I'm holy in your sight because of what you did on the cross for me. Let's just pray right now. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that you have revealed your love to us through Jesus. Through your death on the cross for us, we saw that you would spare nothing to bring us back into relationship with you. Lord Jesus, as we we're about to take communion, we remember that you came to bring communion, relationship, that we could dwell together again, that there is now no longer any barrier between us and you, that you just wait for us to turn to you. You came for us and you just wait for us to turn to you, to put our hope, our trust, our faith in you, that we can be forgiven and know eternal life, And God, right now, even just before we take communion, I just pray for anyone here today that hasn't yet made that decision to say, thank you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. Lord, I just pray that you would stir each one of our hearts to, again, just give our lives to you, God, to, to surrender and to say thank you for what you've done for us. This morning, maybe you've never talked to God before, but right now you can say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. It seems too simple. It seems too easy. But God's grace is amazing. God's grace truly is amazing. It's not just a song. I just want to give you a moment just to say thank you, Jesus, for coming for me, for dying on the cross for my sin. And thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead, but you are alive again. And Lord Jesus, we thank you too that we can have life again, even beyond death. We just praise you, we thank you, we just declare your goodness and your grace this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat the biscuit which represents his body and the cup of grape juice which represents his blood with a thankful heart, with a joyful heart this morning as we declare what he's done. Let's eat and drink together. What a blessing to know what Christmas is about. And I just want to encourage you, um, we all have different families and and families that come from different points of view, but let's look for opportunities to show God's love to our family and friends this Christmas and after Christmas, that we might be that fountain of life that Jesus wants us to be amongst our friends, our family and our community, that we would be filled with His life and that we would share his hope, in his life with those around us. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to finish with a song. We're going to make sure we finish on time because we want to let you guys go and celebrate Christmas with your families and friends. And We're going to sing joy to the world because there is no greater joy than knowing Jesus has washed our sin away. Thanks, guys. And I think we have some extras. <laughs>